Good morning, everybody. It's Angela Green, the blah, blah, blonde. Coming to you not live from anywhere. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> so apparently um, I made a faux pas. <laughs> I did not drop any recording for the blah, blah, blonde presents suicide series on Friday. And here's what happened. So, okay. So that episode was supposed to be me talking about my experiences in my twenties. And I, <laughs> apparently I dreamt that I did the recording and then I dreamt that I scheduled it and all of that. And I didn't do any of that. That was all of dream, a very, very vivid, very real dream, but a dream, no less. So I apologize completely to everyone because I, that's where I dropped the ball. And, um, y'all have heard me talk about the brain fog and I can, I'm going to contribute some of that to that, but also I just have a really whole lot going on in my life, which is no excuse whatsoever. Um, but I'm telling y'all when I, I'm telling you y'all this, whenever I say that dream was real, it was so real that I thought, okay, good. I'm, I'm, I'm totally good. I'm, I'm good. Then whenever I didn't get a notification about it on Friday that it had, it had a new episode was available, blah, 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 whatever. <clears throat> um, it dawned on me that, oh, whoops, but I was working all weekend. And so I couldn't really do anything because I was working all weekend. And so that's kind of where we, where I left it. So here I am today on my day off trying to play catch up. And I owe y'all a huge thank you for, uh, I've over 225 listens and a huge apology for dropping the ball on Friday. So let's get started, shall we? So, <clears throat> okay, so y'all have heard me talk about my life has always been kind of under a cloud. Um, I've been blessed beyond measure, but I never could really see any of that, I guess. For one, I wasn't really in a great relationship with God. I can tell you that. I mean, I loved God, don't get me wrong, and I was a Christian, but... I just didn't understand why I didn't feel worthy, I guess, of, of his love or any of that stuff. And it took me, um, it took me until I got to rehab to figure out that I am. So yeah, like, and my blessings now are immeasurable. And, um, like tomorrow for me is going to be a really, really huge, huge day. I feel like, uh, actually this is a big week for me. So, um, let's just leave it at that because I'm not trying to talk about that part. I'm trying to talk about this part. <laughs> and, um, so in my twenties, actually in my teenage years, it started as a teenager. I just was always sad. I've just always, always been sad to some degree and, and down and just, you know, just so doom and gloom and dramatic and just perpetually hurt like always so i had one boyfriend through high school mostly uh he was my ever constant for a long 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 time about five years and we're still friends to this day and um he helped me when taylor died he helped me out and let me stay at his house for about six months so anyways after Taylor died, he let me stay in his house for about six months um, because I had nowhere to go. Or I didn't know what I was doing. I was pretty lost. And um, anyways, so 
we were kids, you know, we had a really up and down relationship and I was extremely codependent on him. Um, like extremely codependent. Uh, and you know, there was drugs on my part. There was alcohol. There was always something. We were teenagers and, you know, and I was just always sad and down and, um, Anyways, so when we finally broke up, even though I broke up with him, and whenever he moved on, I was devastated. And I had already been seeing a counselor, a a therapist because of my codependency. And I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. And like the two things that I could always do when I was depressed was eat and sleep. So when it got to that point where I couldn't, you know, all I did was dream about him and her um, at nighttime and I couldn't, every time I ate, I'd throw up. Uh, I called my counselor and I was like, I need some help because I, all I'm doing is sitting here trying to think of ways I could kill myself and guarantee that my mother was not the one to find me, you know, and, and she would have been devastated and I still cared about that. And while I still cared about that, I wanted to get help. So I went to this place <clears throat> that is no longer, but I was there for 12 days and, and it really, it did several things. Like I was in counseling and therapy and groups and all that, and that helped, but mainly it let me see that there was other people with real world problems. I mean, really real world problems and that my, the abuse, the abuse that I had endured as far as <clears throat> the rapes and the molestations and all of that were not my fault. They were unfortunately very commonplace and that I could overcome them. Um, we didn't really touch on a whole lot of my abandonment issues. I wish we had, but, um, cause that would stay with me for, I mean, it's still sort of with me. Like it's not nearly as bad as it used to be. I can tell you that, that I have worked through a lot, 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 lot of that. Um, I don't really know if it was me or if it was God, honestly, because the work is really hard. And so when you already have abandonment issues and then you lose a lot of people really close to you, I mean, like every death feels like a betrayal. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but not really so much a betrayal, but just like, oh my God, how could you leave me? You swore you'd never leave me, you know, and everything is just a, a huge deal. Now I know that if, if I'm with someone or if I love someone, let me back up. If I love someone and they leave me through death or they move or Brittany <laughs> or, or they, um, they die or we just break up or whatever. I mean, like I'm friends with all my exes because I feel like here's why, because I feel like anytime someone passes into your life, they leave a mark on you and you should be able to celebrate that and enjoy that forever. They're there for a reason. Now, maybe I know I see all this, these posts and stuff, you know, some people are here for a reason. Some people are here for a season, whatever, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But if, if you learn anything from them and if they learn anything from you and you interact on levels that are life changing, then that relationship should still be nourished and build and built upon. Like it may not happen right away. But I always want to stay in contact with people that have definitely played a major role in my life. 
And that would be anyone that I was in a relationship with. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't do relationships for just like a month or two. I'm like years invested usually because every time I believed that it was forever and when it turns out not to be, then, you know, then that's an adjustment and, and it's not devastating anymore, but it used to be, it used to be big time. Because again, that was somebody leaving me with, and, and, you know, and it doesn't even matter if I'm the one that broke up, which I hardly ever do. (laughs) I can tell y'all that I put up with a lot that, you know, but at one point, whenever I finally have had enough, then, then there's no going back. So like, if I break up with you as an adult, let me just say that, because as a teenager, as a 20 something, I still consider that a kid. I'm sorry, y'all, but I do. Um, as an adult, if I break up with you, it's pretty much done. We're, we'll be friends. Yes, absolutely. And you still have, you know, my undivided attention when you're in my presence or whatever, but you're not, you don't get to keep that level of intimacy with me. Like it's just because I've gotten to the point where I'm just done. And once, once a Virgo's done, a Virgo's done, you know? So but once I once we move past that into the next realm of friendship, and a lot of times the friendships are full circle. Like like there, most of my exes have been friends first, and then we move into intimate, and then back to friends. And so I feel like that that's a really something to celebrate that friendship. Like I'm loyal till the day I'm I die. Like you pretty much have to die to stop being in my life. Unfortunately, um. I mean, I have been betrayed a lot, but I also love really big and uh, I try to always honor that. And now even more so because I, I'm living through Christ is living through me or whatever. And so his it's it's an extension of God's love that comes from me through me. I, I'm probably not saying that right, but um, yeah. So these days, uh, everything is not devastating to me anymore. Um, a lot of that was, uh, was some really, really hard work at safe P and my sisters that are listening that, that were there with me. Y'all know that I never shut up in group. (laughs) Y'all know that I cried a lot. I mean, but I mean, I had that such an amazing opportunity and yes, it was prison, but it was such an amazing opportunity to come out on the other side different and to, to embrace the changes that I really wanted to make, but had no idea how to. And you know, that the biggest part for me was like, I'm here already. Why not do the work? Like there's nothing that, that says that I'd have to, I can fake it like no problem. In therapy, unfortunately, it's easy to tell people what they want to hear. You learn that early on when you start therapy, you know, because most of most for me, not most people, for me, I was a people pleaser. Like I, so I knew right away what to tell you, what to do, how to act to make you happy. Nowadays, I want to please God first and then myself second because I do matter and it's time for me to be a little bit selfish, but, and then the people in my life next. I find that if I'm happy and I'm pleasing to God, everything else falls into place perfectly, like perfectly. Um, 
<laughs> I wish I could share my miracles with y'all. And I, I uh, they're just, wow. I don't even have words. I really, truly do not have words. So, um, someday I hope to, but right now I'm just keeping everything to myself because I just treasure everything so greatly that I, I'm just not ready yet. Okay, I'm just I'm just not ready yet. I'm overwhelmed with blessings. I'm overwhelmed with happiness and joy from within and with God. And now I just want to continue being of service in any way I can. So a little bit off topic. Um, I was speaking with a friend, a really good friend of mine who I consider to be my little brother forever. I love, love, love him and his whole family. And always have. And, you know, I'm just like his, his, what I want him to, I've asked him to come on my show and I hope that he does. What I've asked him to come on my show and talk about is more of a mental journey and a physical journey. <clears throat> and so really, I mean, even though I talk about depression, which is my depression, suicidal thing, ideologies and so on and so forth, you can come on my regular show and talk about anything, anything that, that, that has been a, a hindrance to you that you've overcome or that you're overcoming or that you would like to overcome. I don't care. I feel like if you have a voice, your story has weight and someone somewhere is going to relate to it. It's, it's all going to be relatable. You know why? Because we're all in this together. Having said that, <clears throat> I just want to talk to the people, you know, like I want to, I want to know everything about everybody. Tell me everything. I really and truly am so interested in, in hearing about everyone's lives. Like after, after we get out of school and graduate and move on kids and work and marriages and divorces and more work and more kids or grandkids or whatever, <clears throat> like we lose touch of, of the interpersonal relationships, you know, we have when we used to pass notes in class. I want to talk to everybody like I just <laughs> I'm such a, a study of human nature like I love the people watch but more importantly I love the stories gosh I've just I mean I'm just so overwhelmed with all the beauty and all the love around me and I want to share it with everyone that I possibly can I feel like we can all grow as a as a tribe and we might as well do it together. Like, I'm sorry I wasn't around for the pandemic. This podcast would have been great for that. <laughs> but I was healing myself at that time so that this would be possible. I can tell you that when you have the love of a beautiful man or a beautiful woman that God sent to you, uh, on the one hand, it changes everything. But on the other hand, it kind of brings about some really sometimes some opportunities to go back to that dark place. And that is something that that I have trouble with still. Um, bless his heart. He's just, you know, he's trying his best. I'm trying my best. It's not always great. I don't always pull it off. A lot of times I'm very insecure. I'm very dark. I'm very dismissive. I'm very self-sabotage. I'm very, um, 
just forget it. Let's just call this whole thing off. Like I can't do it. Like I give up because I'm so in that moment, I'm so scared and so worried. And, and then I have to stop and, and think this is not of God. And so I will pray about it. And I don't know about y'all, but when I pray like this peace and calm and love just washes over me. And I mean, it's like nothing I can even describe how amazing it feels because in that moment, you're, you're the child of the most high God and there's nothing that is bad is going to touch you or mess with you or get in your head, you know, but you got to pray about it with your whole heart and thank goodness Thank God <laughs> I am able to have these relationships where I can repair the damage that I do. Um, I'm trying to keep that damage to a minimal, <laughs> but I am still learning and growing. And I am very lucky that, that the people in my life are so patient with me and so understanding and so loving that they allow me to be me, screw ups and all. And I've got a few faults. <laughs> I know y'all don't believe that. <laughs> I've got a lot of faults. But I will always admit when I'm wrong and apologize immediately. And I'm always apologetic. That doesn't change the, the hurt things that I can say or do. Um, I will tell you, those of you that know me, I don't make anybody cry anymore. I'm not mean just to be mean. Um, I'm not mean just to prove a point. I'm just... It's more about me and less about about the damage I can do to someone else. And and I hate that I was that person. I hate that. Like I if I've hurt you ever in our lifetime together and made you cry or not even made you cry just hurt you in any way because of the words that I have said to you, I I couldn't be more sorry. Like I couldn't I can't even I could spend a lifetime apologizing to you and it won't be enough. I just hope that you will forgive me. And, and tell me, Hey, cut that shit out, you know, because I can promise you that it was, it had probably nothing to do with you and everything to do with me. And that's fucked up and it's wrong and it's not cool. And I'm just, you know, like I said, I just pray for forgiveness. That's all I can do. I can't look back at the past and live in it. I can look back and learn from it and keep moving forward. I have to keep moving forward. It has to be a constant motion forward. Because as long as I'm moving forward, then that's progress, you know? And as long as I'm striving to be better, that's progress. And every single day, I just try to be a better me than I was yesterday or even 10 minutes ago or an hour ago, you know? Because like, look... I would be crazy to sit here and tell you that I don't have dark thoughts all the time. It's not all the time like it used to be. But once once they take hold, like they, they're so welcome there usually because that's where they used to live that they just root right in and take over. And I, I have to make a very, very conscious effort to remove myself from that situation, either physically or mentally, <clears throat> and go pray. Or go to sleep or just get away from that because I can't entertain those thoughts. The devil will take a hold of everything and destroy all that I've tried so hard to build. And I'm not willing to, to sacrifice that. So I had to kind of kick myself in the ass and go, hey, get your shit together. Like this is not what's really happening here. So 
chill out, you know, like you're imagining things that are not real. And if they are real, then God will bring them to light to you and, and will show you how to deal with that. Don't make things worse when there's nothing there. Don't make a bad, a, a bad situation. Don't hold on. Don't make a situation that you don't understand into something bad and unmanageable. And that's exactly what I do. Like, I don't know everything and it's not for me to know everything. But then I have to stop and remember too, everything is not about me. <laughs> like, it's hard not to personalize things whenever, whenever you want what you want when you want it. You want to talk to someone, you want to do something, you want to go somewhere, you want to be this, you want to do that. We're a world of instant gratification. I know I am. That's why I was an EMT because it was always something new and exciting, something different. Boom, 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 boom. That's why I did drugs because it's, you know, instant. I need instant, 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 instant happiness. Bam, let's do this. You know, I would have liked to have said back then that, oh, I'm working on me. But that's a, that's looking back. That wasn't work. I could work on getting high. I could work on upsetting someone or being mean to someone. I could work on any number of things, but I damn sure wasn't working on myself. <laughs> I mean, no matter how I churched it up, you know, reading these books and doing this, and doing, I wasn't doing the work because that work was hard. And there was not enough drugs in the world that were going to get me through that. That's why I'm, that's why I will forever be thankful for the prison rehab, because look, I couldn't leave. I was stuck there and you know, you're already here. You might as well do the work. And so I put my whole heart and soul into it. And here I am now. I am sticking by my sobriety and my cleanliness, clean and sober, clean and sober. I don't drink. I don't smoke cigarettes. I did for 17 years. I haven't smoked cigarettes since 2003. Up to that point, that was the hardest addiction for me to kick. <laughs> it took me 10 years to kick. And I finally just made up my mind, I guess, and quit cold turkey and never looked back. I never had cravings. I never gained weight then. Um, it was actually uh, Dallas County Jail that caused me to gain all my weight. Commissary and the crap food. Uh... That's my next thing to work on is getting my weight back to where I feel healthy. I don't care about how I look because my confidence comes from within. I feel beautiful every day um, because I'm a beautiful child of God. And <clears throat> I mean, some days I feel better than others, but you know, my, my joy and peace and happiness comes from God and there's nothing more beautiful than that. So, <clears throat> everything else is just fluff, but I can tell you that I don't feel very healthy. Like I don't like to be winded. I know this is hard on my knees. Um, and mostly it's just a about a health thing. You know, like I used to, I've out look into my forties. I was still basically my high school weight. <laughs> so, and I don't eat right. And I try to exercise some, but I need a better regimen. There's so many variables that I could be doing, and I'm working on that. I'm trying to get things more stable in other areas of my life first. That's where I'm at. So, um, I've had a couple of instances where, like after my rape, after my initial rape at 12, 
when I lost my virginity and all my friends turned against me for some time and I had nobody, not like no one. I went to school because I had to. I hated it. And I'd always loved school. I've, I mean, I'm a learn, I'm, I love to learn. And the social aspect was a new thing for me. So, you know, I was one of the cool kids and then I wasn't. <laughs> and then I was again. But while I wasn't in that exile, it's it's heartbreaking because, you know, Everyone always says, oh, the rape is not your fault, but it sure did feel like it was my fault. A lot of other kids my age put blame on me because they didn't understand and they didn't know what was going on. And then whenever that changed, it was something so simple and basic of a promise someone made in their sleep. And it's just crazy how how this, the everything flipped and then flipped again and then flipped again. And, and I was just forgiving. And I'm still friends with at least one of those girls. Two. Actually two. Now that two. Yeah. Two of them I'm friends with. Um, But I would be friends with all four. It's just, you know, it is what it is. We all have our demons. Whatever. Um, But. I am so thankful that I never had the gumption to pull off a suicide because I promise you those two instances were not the only two. There were about five throughout my lifetime. Um, not so much in my thirties. Well, no, no. When my mom died, I just wanted to crawl into a hole and never get out of it. I didn't want to die though, because I felt like, and this is the first time I'm ever saying this out loud, but I felt like that it was my punishment to be a to have to live without her like somehow I wasn't a good enough kid or daughter um yeah my and that comes from you know my abandonment issues with my biological father all my life and then I finally realized or I thought at the time that I'd finally realized okay well you know she gave me almost 30 years of my of life with her and, I, and what did I do with it? I just was shitty. I was a horrible daughter. I was on drugs. And my drug addiction at that time was really bad. Like I had a really bad cocaine addiction, so bad. And all I cared about was I was newly divorced, so all I cared about was being out partying every night. I mean, I worked full time, but I was out at the bar six nights a week. I mean, for sure. Drinking, coking, you know, didn't give a shit about nothing or nobody. And I missed out on a lot of life with my mom. Like, we never got to the part where we got to be friends and did things together. And I was trying to get to that part, part, but she was mad at me a lot of the time because I didn't do what I should have been doing. I didn't take care of my kids like I should have been doing. I didn't take care of myself. I wasn't there for her. And I just miss my mama, you know, like until the day she died, she was my biggest cheerleader and my biggest fan. And I did nothing at that point to even earn or deserve that, but be born. She loved me that much. And I just took it all for granted so much. I mean, every bit of it I took for granted. And if I could get that back now, 
y'all already know if there was a time machine that could be created, <laughs> I'm the person that would do that. Because I was not the daughter that she deserved. Her love was so simple and so pure. And, I mean, I was her everything. <laughs> And I wasn't good to her. I mean, I wasn't horrible. I didn't like, I wasn't mean to her at all. You couldn't be mean to my mother. She wouldn't allow that. And and she would just kill you with kindness. <laughs> and then you'd feel like an asshole for doing what you were doing. But I was so dark and so depressed and so down all the time. Like, I, and since then, since she's been gone, I've been trying to figure out ways to just make her proud of me. I think maybe now she might finally be. <laughs> um, but I can tell you that if your parents are still alive or either one or anything, just get your shit together because they're not going to be here forever. Like I didn't, my, my dad that raised me. He lived in his 60s, but I wasn't, I mean, I was the better daughter to him, but I still wasn't great. I mean, we all had our own shit going on, and then Taylor died, and it kind of, it brought us closer together on some levels, but on other levels, it was like, it pushed us further apart. Look, y'all, I can tell you this. I lived in my parents' house into my 40s, okay? But by the time my mom died... My dad worked out of town a lot. So basically, it was just our house. And my kids grew up there. Like, I grew up in Garland for 20 years. Then we moved to Rowlett. And my kids grew up in Rowlett. And until the day Taylor died in that house, we left that house. And I moved back in later on with some roommates a couple of years later for a year or so. And then my dad sold it. Sold the house. Um, but... I never learned how to live out on my own. I still haven't. Like, I've always lived with a boyfriend or friends or roommates or, you know, like, I don't even know if I can live alone. I don't know if I'm ever going to try to, <laughs> honestly. Um, that's just a lot of time in your head. Um, I don't know. Maybe I will. Maybe. I don't know. As of right now, I don't know. I really don't know. I have big plans, and I hope that they all pan out. I pray that they all pan out. I feel like they will, and it'll all come to light soon enough. But right now is another one of those things that I'm not really ready to talk about. Um, But <clears throat> when I lost my mom, like, okay, when I lost my brother, I was 15, about to turn 16 in like four months. And my brother was my best friend, but I wasn't a very good sister to him either. He was doing drugs. I was doing drugs. Uh, he lived with his mom. He came on the weekends, but we were so hella close, but not so close that I didn't know where he was whenever he ran away. I didn't take it seriously because he used to run away all the time. And so I was on spring break. I was with my friend's party. And again, I wasn't a good person. I wasn't a good sister. I wasn't looking for him. I wasn't home by the phone and he had tried to call me once and my dad answered and he hung up. And 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 that that phone call haunts me all the time. I finally made his best friend tell me 
a few years back. Like, tell me what happened that night. Tell me everything that happened that night. I have to know what happened. And he told me, and I can tell y'all right now to this very second, I can't remember any of it. Like, I don't know why I needed to know so badly that I bugged him for so long to do that. But he did. He he honored my request and he did. He talked to me about it. And I don't remember any of it. Um, My need to make logical sense of things sometimes forces me into realities that I don't really need to bear. Like, uh, for a long time, I wanted the crime scene photos of Taylor's suicide. <laughs> don't ask me why. <laughs> like... Don't ask me why. I just, I needed to absorb every bit of information that I possibly could. Thank God I never asked for them. And, and I feel like maybe they probably wouldn't give me them. I don't know. I don't want them. <laughs> but if I would have them, then I would just relive it over and over and over. And I already do that, y'all. There's no need for me to do it any further. I mean, there's no need for me to have concrete evidence and that image not ever being out of my head like let me imagine it however bad I want to but without concrete evidence because I have a photographic memory and I won't be able to unsee that shit and I can't you know like I don't even know what I was thinking but I was so determined for the longest time like I want the crime scene photos and everyone was like are you fucking crazy no you don't so somewhere along the way God made sure the voice of reason <laughs> kept that from coming out of my mouth to the right people. Um, so my mom's aneurysm. The day that she went to the hospital. Me and my cousin were about to leave to go see Kid Rock at Texas Stadium. With Metallica I believe. And we were good. It was an all day thing. We were going to be gone all day. This was. This was the plan. My dad was working. My grandmother was at bingo. The kids were at their dad's. <clears throat> my mom was about to be home alone for seven, some hours. She would have died there by herself, y'all. If 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 I wouldn't have been such a hypochondriac as a child and did all this research and stuff. You know, anytime I had a headache, uh, it was a brain tumor. It was aneurysm. So I knew about all of this stuff like early on because I'm just a reader of, of everything. I've always been a learner. I've always been fascinated with what the brain is capable of doing to the body. You know, like it runs everything and it, it it's it's just amazing what the brain will do. So part of it was hypochondria. Part of it was just my thirst for intelligence and knowledge and my quest to always be smart or try to be smart. Um, so my mom had always had headaches and migraines and I had them too somewhat. Um, so she had always had migraines and, and, and headaches her whole life. And, you know, she gave some of them names. Like the Wonga was the one that like was the pain that felt like it was, you're being hit with something. Wong, 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 you know, like <laughs> that's what she just called it, <laughs> which is kind of funny now that I look back and think, okay, why did we name her headaches? But so that day she was working at home and she had said that she had a headache and she had gone to her room to take something for it. And she came around the corner and I made eye contact with her. I was coming out of the bathroom and I was about to leave. And I was talking to her about that. And her eyes were just wild, y'all. Like, my mom had the prettiest green eyes, but they were wild like an animal's. Like, I will never, ever forget that. Like, I can still see that. When I talk about it, I can see it in my head. 
And I told her, Mom, and I, I kind of gingerly kind of looped my arm in hers, and I said, Mom, let's go, let, let's lay you down on the couch for a minute, because I don't think you need to be up moving around. I feel like there's something really wrong. I'm going to call an ambulance. No, no. And I was like, Mom, I'm not, it's not up for discussion. Just let them come and check you, you know, like. You, you don't have to leave with them. Just let them come and check you and just make sure. Because I'm really worried because your eyes are, your eyes look crazy. They look crazy. Like there's no other way to describe it. They're just like, like they're just, they look crazy. She looked like a wild animal in her eyes. It was crazy. So I got her, I could somehow convinced her to lay down because my mom was stubborn and you weren't going to tell her anything. <laughs> I got her to lay down. I called 911. While they were there, my dad came home. And, you know, they're like, she always asked them, you know, what her blood pressure was. And apparently they had taken it, but the machine was broken. He was like, well, the machine was broke. So I didn't, she was, and I said, so you basically just faked it and we're just going to make something up. And he's like, well, there's another one in the, in the rig. And I was like, well, go get it. You know, she wants to know what her blood pressure is. You've got to have it for your paperwork. Like, seriously. So we did all that. And, um, they're like, well, you know, you could have something going on. You probably should get checked out, but you don't have to go with us. You know, your your family can drive you to the hospital. I was like, no, absolutely not. She's leaving with y'all in the ambulance, and that's just what that is. And then everyone started arguing with me. Everyone. My mom the most adamantly. And I was like, and I finally just told her, mom, I know you're stubborn and determined, but so am I. And I'm telling you right now, this is not how that's going down. You're getting in the ambulance. And I pointed to my dad. I said, you're going to follow in. You're going to ride with her and I will follow in the car. That's how this is going to go. Let's do this right now. Stop. No more discussion. I don't care. Like, no. And they were talking about the cost. And I was like, I don't care. Get her in the ambulance right now. I'm the one here who called you. So, you know, I'm an adult. This is my mother. Take care of her. So they put her in the ambulance. My dad rides with her. I follow to Lake Point. And, um, Lake Point was really not a great hospital at that time. I don't know how they are now, but, but I mean, for a local hospital, like emergencies, you know, whatever, fine. But I can tell you this much. It was 42 minutes from ambulance to ambulance. From the time the ambulance dropped her off till they picked, till the other ambulance picked her up and took her to Big Baylor. 42 minutes and she had a hell of a lot of tests done and read. That's how bad it was. That's how how imminent her aneurysms were, okay? So, they did all that, and they're like, we're taking her to Big Baylor. Um, don't try to follow us because we're going to be going lights and sirens. That's they. It was emergency lights and sirens. <laughs> That's how fast they needed her to be at Big Baylor. So they got her to Big Baylor and um, immediately started talking to us about surgery. And uh, we had to decide, you know, which procedure, which way we wanted the procedure to go. She had what they call very aneurysms. And the, the surgery to repair that was very, very common, they said, you know, success rate, blah, 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 you know, no reason to worry. Then we had this other doctor. We called Dr. Death because he was just doom and gloom and there was no hope for her and blah, 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 this and blah, 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 that. And um, it was all just crazy. It was all very 
it was all very sudden and very like hurry up and decide your your mother's fate hurry up and decide this and do this and da 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 so she went into surgery and her prognosis was great like like people recover from this all the time la 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 we caught it early they didn't tell us that that her aneurysms had already started to rupture they didn't tell us that 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 her brain had already started to bleed and and then and then her surgeon chose not to put a drain tube in which is basically his call because it, it's it's basically six of one half dozen of the other put in a drain tube you take you risk the run the risk of really high infection uh, ease you know to the brain or don't put one in and then there's a chance that they could you know have internal bleeding and die from that so he didn't put one in i mean in my opinion i've seen all of her medical records i we've had them examined by lawyers and all that at the time and it really was a judgment call on his behalf but my thought was was if <laughs> if she's already bleeding out when you get in the surgery then why wouldn't you just go ahead and you know but like i said that's it it was a, it's a judgment call um she started bleeding into the, the vortex which is i think it was the vortex not the vortex <laughs> i don't remember the name of it but it starts with a v <laughs> it might be vortex i don't know i can't remember it's been a long time since i've thought about all this anyway she started bleeding into an area of the brain that is inoperable and basically she gave up i watched her give up she was still unconscious she never came she never regained consciousness from her surgery like never um her nurse at the time was in there yapping about she's gonna have to be retaught how to do everything and from my grandmother's stroke right after my brother died uh, and she was had paralysis on the whole side of her body and she had to have people take care of her and she basically died like three or four months later from just a broken heart because she had always been so active and my mother swore she was like she made me promise that i would put a pillow over her head if she ever got to that point <laughs> yes she said she would write me a note for the for the <laughs> for the courts and everything to keep me out of prison but i was like i'm not doing it yeah um, <laughs> that's probably where i get my dramatic flair from my mom anyway that just that just dawned on me <coughs> excuse me y'all my allergies are really killing killing it but um so she pretty much gave up whenever he was in there to, her nurse was in there talking about all that and i kicked him immediately out of her room and cussed him out and had him i got him into trouble and i'm pretty sure i got him fired i don't really or at least fired from her case um because you know i knew she could hear everything i'm not stupid she's not dead she's just in as a sedative state from the amnesia, I mean, from the anesthesia, amnesia, from the anesthesia, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit tongue-tied today, y'all, um, it's a Monday, so bear with me, <laughs> my Mondays are usually pretty blonde, um, anyways, so, she wasn't dead, she wasn't, she was just, you know, in a semi-conscious state, but, I mean, she was alert enough to start throwing up and almost choke on her own vomit because he wasn't paying attention, I was in there, I saved her life at that point, because I, I mean, and he thought I was attacking her because I had grabbed her by her pajamas and slung her over to the other edge of the bed so that she could throw up 
on the floor and not choke and die on it. And he came rushing in there. I need security. I need security right now. I was like, bro, you need to do your job is what you need to do because you're not doing it. She almost died choking on her own vomit. Like, what are you doing? You're not even paying attention. We're in the NICU and you're not paying attention. Are you kidding me right now? So anyways, she never regained consciousness. This went on for about a week. We were in the, she was in the hospital for about a week at Baylor. And, and that hospital and the surgeons and everybody there was top notch. You know, I just feel like it was maybe my mom's time. She, she had changed a lot in the last few months. Um, she had gotten really tired of life and really just tired. And I think she just gave up. I really, I never thought I would say that about my mother because my mother was always such a fighter, but I think she just was so tired and she just gave up. And <clears throat> it was pretty quick, really. I mean, it wasn't, but it was. I didn't, I left the hospital one time to go home and take a shower. And when I came back, they were all waiting on me in the family room. Like the whole room was full of, of family because they had done the brain scan. And that was when they were going to determine whether she was considered brain dead or not. And I, <laughs> I was the last one to get there for that. And I, and I knew I just, uh, Kind of like I knew with Milo, <laughs> God just puts this stuff in my head and tells me ahead of time to prepare me, I guess. I don't know, but I knew, I knew, I knew when I left, I knew. And I especially knew whenever I got back and I rushed upstairs because I was late and everyone was bitching, <clears throat> like coming to the doom and gloom, you know, we're waiting on you for all this horrible news and I don't want to hear it, but I'm coming anyways. And like, <laughs> anyways, <sighs> so they tell us that she's brain dead. And we talk about them being her being an organ donor and everything. And so they've got, they're going to donate this and that and da-da-da-da-da. So we're waiting for the organ donation team to come. And so they're keeping her alive that way for that reason. And everybody left. Everybody but my cousin who stayed in the waiting room in case I needed her. <laughs> God bless her. Thank you, Christy. Um, I didn't leave. Because I know that if that would have, if the situation would have been reversed, my mom wasn't leaving until I was leaving. So I stayed there with her until they came and got her for, to harvest her organs or whatever. And the NICU nurses were so great because they're like, you know, we know, we're so sorry about your loss. Is there anything we can do for you? And I said, you know, I really just wish I could just crawl up into bed with her and sleep with her one last night. And they're like, okay, give us about 10 minutes. <laughs> and I promise you, y'all. They situated her and scooted her over so that I could get in bed and sleep with my mama one last night before they took her the next day. When I tell y'all I was a mama's girl, it was such an understatement. Like a month before she died, we're at my aunt's house <clears throat> for my cousin's birthday. And I'm 29 years old, grown, divorced with two kids. And I have a headache and she's whole, and I'm sitting in my mama's lap and she's rocking me at 29 because I have a headache, because I'm such a mama's girl, like, my mother was everything to me, and I took that so for granted, and I have a lot of regrets about that, but um, that's it again, that's another thing I'm working on, like, moving forward, today, I know she's proud of me, today, I feel like, <laughs> finally, finally, she can be proud of me, you know, like it took me a while to get here, but I'm here. And now 
I just want to express to y'all, like, don't squander away any of your time with your loved ones, like, at all. And if they're sick, be with them, help them, you know, pray for them. I'll pray for them. If they're in addiction, try to get them help. Just let them know that no matter what they do, that you'll never not love them. Because I promise you, when I tell y'all that, that this life is a gift that can be gone any second, <clears throat> in, in a nanosecond, your life can change. You want to know how many times my life has been changed in that manner? Um, let me think. Okay, so when my biological dad left, when my brother died, when my mother died, when my dad that raised me died, when my daughter died, when all of my dogs have died, when my papa died, when my uncle Jim died, when my uncle Gary died, when my cousin Jared died. When my Aunt Peggy died, I mean, my grandmother, my, my other grandmother, I mean, I don't even know how many more there are. I probably missed some. And don't even get me started on all the friends that I've lost. So I'm telling you, like, one minute everything is good and great and fine and happy-go-lucky, and the next second it's not. And now you have all these things in your head that you'll never be able to work out with this person like, make your amends. Like, like life is too fucking short. I'm so serious about this. Don't, don't live with hate in your heart. Don't live with resentment in your heart. Like, find a way to forgive everyone and come, always come from a place of love because that's what, that's why we're here. Like, if you read your scriptures, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and the greatest of these is love. It's always about the love, y'all. And if you have God's love, and you should have God's love, because God loves you no matter what unconditionally. Like, there's nothing you can do in your father's eyes to change that at all. So when you have God's love channeling through you to others, it's gonna sh your light is going to shine brighter, and there's you'll be unstoppable, and you'll be joyful, and, and you just, you know, you can conquer all your demons. You can tell the devil to step off, <laughs> which you can do all that now. Because you do have God's love. And you have my love. But mostly you have God's love. <laughs> Just trust me whenever I tell you that. that Heartbreak. And, and my heart was broken into a million little pieces. So many times in my life. Mostly when I lost my daughter. But I'm still here. I tell you all that all the time. Like, like look at all the tragedy I've overcome. Look at all, look at the addictions I've overcome. And let me just tell y'all, 40 years of addiction from something, one form or another, off and on, is a lot of years. But I'm still here. Why am I still here? Why am I able just to talk to you just as much as I want to? And y'all listen because y'all are just loyal listeners now. And that blows my whole complete mind. Why am I here to love and live and laugh again? Because of God. Because of God and the opportunities that he's given me and I worked, did the work and I'm doing the work and I'm trying to be of service and I'm trying to be a better me through God and I'm just walking my path. So figure out your own way, figure out your own relationship. But I'm telling you right now, like this life doesn't have to be so dark all the time. Don't get me wrong. It's not sunshine and rainbows and roses every second of every every day i still have a dark side i still try to sometimes just hide in that okay like and and that's okay because it's it creates a balance like like i'm not gonna be 
Life is not promised to you to be ridiculously cookie cutter happy all the time. It's what you do with the, the trials and tribulations that are put before you. It's how you overcome those things. It's what it's how you get up, dust yourself off and say, you know what? That was fucked up. But guess what? I don't have to live there. I don't have to dwell on that. What I need to do is take the lesson from it. Praise God. Give all my praise to God for, for the lesson and move forward with that knowledge and that insight to help someone else. That's how you pay it forward. That's all you have to do. And it's not hard. If I can do it, anyone can. That's what I keep telling everyone. Like when you come on my podcast, you're going to want your own because it's so liberating. Like I'm just so happy to be able to share my truths and live my, my truth with all of y'all. And, and like, this is the cheapest therapy ever. <laughs> all you gotta have to do is download an app and talk like that's it. And then publish it and put it out there and just let, let the chips fall where they may, whatever, whatever. It's ridiculously easy. So easy that I feel stupid that I fought it for so many years. Because like I've had this plan for about five to seven years, but I was so scared to succeed at it. Like why? <laughs> I mean, I get it. I wasn't ready yet because I was in my addiction. That makes sense. But now I'm just like, ugh, what a dumbass. Like, really? Uh, okay. Anyways, I digress. My point is, is that, is that you don't have to live in that dark place. Please don't live in that dark place. Come to the light. You can visit it occasionally if you need to, or if you need to reflect or relearn something, or maybe you didn't learn it the first time or whatever the case may be, but don't live there. Like don't put yourself there and make life harder than it, than it already is. Cause it's not easy. Adulting is not easy. Living every day in, and looking for joy and happiness and trusting in wholeheartedly a thousand percent in God <clears throat> is hard. It's hard to trust in something you don't see, but you just have to believe, you know, it just takes faith the size of a mustard seed and it'll plant and grow and sprout and, and, and there you have it. Y'all, if y'all don't learn anything else from me, learn about faith because I promise you my faith is unreal. It's over the top, un immeasurable. It's all of those things that are, are infinity and beyond. <laughs> Let me just say that. Because I have unlimited, insurmountable amounts of faith. I have to. So many illogical things have happened in my life that I've witnessed that I can't make any logical sense of it otherwise. Maybe it's just me being dumb or naive. I don't care. Like, I'm good. You can call it however you want to. You say whatever you want. I just call it faith in God. And that's just what that is. And, and it has not been a major deal to, uh, to me. Otherwise, it's just been great. So, all right, y'all, I'm going to wrap it up with, the, with, with one thing in mind, just, you know, keep the faith and don't live in your darkness, figure out a way to find some light somewhere. I'll help you any way I can. Come talk on my show. Talk to me in, in private. You can talk to me about anything. I don't always have to record it. <laughs> so, but I love you. Y'all love and be loved and we'll talk soon. Thank you again for listening.